0: Oh, it is I mean just absolutely beautiful outside. Got mm-hmm. to stand out there at the door and sun is brilliant and the weather is great and from what I can tell that's the way it looks all week long, according to my app. And the app is always right. Always. So yeah, I you mean can never doubt a weatherman. We, yeah. We no. know it's going to be perfect. Had some had a couple fun things this week. Uh you guys sent us a video so so Emmett official five month old this week, which was really fun. Got two little teeth trying to, trying to pop through. Very, very cute. And, uh, and I, at five months, it's time to start trying something more than liquid. So he got to get a little taste of cereal. And it, went, and it was a hoot because, I mean, he's got, he's got the good natural reflex of the spoon is coming toward him. The mouth goes open just like a little robin, okay? I mean, it was just, it was amazing. The, wah, there it is. What he does not have is shutting the beak after the food goes in. Yeah. So Riley put it in, and right down the front of him, just yeah, like got, Grandpa. He's got so. Ri-
1: he's got Riley's ath- athleticism and instinct when the thing's coming in, and then my big dumb open mouth smile when the food's
0: just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, your mother and I were, you know, we're kind of flicking through, trying to find something to watch, and there was some, I, I was curious. There was something about an expose of some. Big church and whatever. Wanted to see what it was all about and kind of watching through. And I and I found a new Instagram site I want to watch. It's called Pastors in Sneakers, and and apparently what this guy Wait, pastors does. Pastors in sneakers or mm, pastors? Mm, 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 pastors mm, sneakers. Okay, and um, and it's it's basically exposing what some of the what some of the big pastors wear at church, and and like a uh, part of the reason. So some of the guys are wearing sixty-five hundred dollars sneakers on Sunday morning. Sixty-five. I didn't know. I get there, that
1: everybody has like their thing, but how is that even possible?
0: I didn't know there were sixty-five hundred dollars yeah. sneakers. Yeah, so, that's so crazy. before you get any ideas, thirty-six ninety-nine. All right, nice and cheap and uh, comfortable and. We are officially going to have to contact Hey Dude and see if they're willing to sponsor our. <laughs> no, our because then I'll pair. be wanting the sixty-five hundred dollar pair. <laughs> we can't do that. No, it was just—it was mind blowing to me. I—I—I I, I don't know how. I don't want to go on a rant, but, you know, it was just like Jesus, right? When Jesus said, hey, I should wear the most expensive gown I can find. Yeah, really? No, he Come was, on. He was Come definitely, on. He was cool wearing his robe and his oh, Jerusalem Cruiser
1: 2000 sandals. Yeah.
0: Just, just disturbing. So anyway, sorry. Just whoo. Anyway, um, next Sunday, I just don't want to miss next Sunday. We're not in here. No, big Sunday next week. Uh,
1: and if you show up right now, you'll be 30 minutes late. Because next Sunday we are outside, and it actually the
0: fun part about that though is if you do show up 30 minutes late, you're the ones that kind of drive around the parking lot trying to find a spot, and we all watch you try to figure it out. So, so you Why really want to be on so time cautious. because otherwise we're just watching you do this. But Brian, you did have a nice public service announcement about well, that yeah, too.
1: Well, yeah. So it starts at 10 o'clock. So we'll be out on the on the lawn, and. Because we've seen people really struggle to find spots and nobody wants to park behind the speaker and walk up, you know, like five minutes into the service. So what I'm asking is if you can get here early enough, park on the far end of the lot. Not only does that… Well, actually the far
0: end would be here. Well… No, wait. You know, you're right. There. You're right. You're right. There. This is like the, the open mouth spoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: No. Um, no, please park on the far side of the lot. I'd be quiet. <laughs> because not only are you closer to the, the lawn, but it also gives anybody that is late the opportunity to park over here. And yeah, it's a longer walk, but at least that walk isn't going to be you get right into the middle of. Yes. <laughs> Looks good. Do we need to medicate you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So, anyway, 10 a.m., bring your lawn chair. <laughs> Bring your, bring your blankets, come hang out. It's a really relaxed service. There's only one. It's not online, so it is a, it's a great chance to, to bring a coworker, bring a neighbor, bring a friend <laughs> so they can hear this and finally know what idiots you listen to on Sunday mornings. <laughs> awesome.
0: Awesome. So part of the reason we're doing that, it's, it's yeah. Memorial Day weekend and, and a piece of the Memorial Day weekend uh, that, that we really love uh, celebrating, and some of us have done in the past, is great. Uh, Dennis Gore and Cindy Gore, and they get involved in getting the flags out at Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. Cemetery. And from what I understand this year, that's about 65,000 flags. All right? It's mm-hmm. a lot of flags. And, uh, and a great way not only to honor those who have served, but to get, our, to get our families to understand the sacrifice that was made. I mean, when you're just walking among gravestone after gravestone after gravestone of person who is no longer in this life and realize the sacrifice, the literal physical sacrifice some of them made by dying but also the sacrificial lives they lived for our sake. It's compelling. It's just compelling. So that's this Friday at 8.30. And if you want to find out more about that, I know Dennis is here. Just wave your arms. There he is. Dennis is over here in the corner. So uh, if you want to catch him and talk to him about that. In fact, if you wouldn't mind just kind of standing close to the info hub on the way out. And that way you can get details on that. I know some of our families have done it. It's meaningful. Rain or shine, snow, no matter what, they're going on out.
1: Well, if you have kids, like it it truly is a a thing that, that kids can get into. I've been to Washington D.C. with our eighth graders, and when you know they're goofing around the entire time, you know, just enjoying life. But then when we when we get to the the memorials, or we get to um, any any site where there is some kind of memorial, um, they, there's this just natural sobriety and somberness mm-hmm. that, that comes mm-hmm. over them. So mm-hmm. it's a really cool learning experience for them too.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So other things uh, that we're that we're clicking through, again, we've already talked about next weekend. I'm going to just keep saying it because somebody's going to forget. So we've got next weekend coming, but this weekend, in fact, in about an hour and a half, what's yeah. happening?
1: Yeah, I'm wearing my Revive shirt to remind myself that today our 8th graders are coming up for their first taste of Revive. So all the 8th the graders, it, it's, they still get to double dip, so they get to come on Wednesday for their last refuge, but today we're inviting them from noon to 2. That's not our normal time, but we have a couple things going on. We've got a Green Lake uh, meeting uh, for, all the, uh, for all of our youth staff and everybody who's a family leader and work leader uh, at 2 o'clock, so we're trying to squeeze a lot of things into one day. Uh, but Revive will be from noon to 2, and then we have our meeting, and then we're going off to, uh, to watch some of our seniors graduate. So we've got a good little crop graduate from Manooka, and we have um, seniors graduating from other high schools too that, right. that we're going to check out as well. So um, cramming in a lot, but so that's noon to 2. There is no Revive or Refuge next week, so this is the last week before Green Lake. And the reason that I bring it up is because it is awesome. If you have a kid who's going, especially a fifth grader, fifth graders are invited up to refuge this Wednesday. Um, So if you have a kid in either of those groups going for the first time, send them. Uh, Make sure they can get there either today, noon to two for high school, or um, 6.30 to 8.30 this Wednesday. Because we really like to introduce ourselves so that our kids who are coming to Green Lake can recognize at least one big, dumb face, um, and, th- and get to know like, the kids that they're going to be going with. So it helps. Uh, Provide helps some relational
0: connection and comfort with that. Yeah. that. That's really important. Get that, get that introduction done here as, yeah. opposed to, as opposed to a few hours away. Mm-hmm. So, so that really helps. Um, LifeWise Academy. So we, we're excited about how this continues to move forward. Uh, Jaren Wojewoda is the director of that. She went away for some training, Uh, this past week one of the things that's come live is the registration for that so if you have a a student in shanahan schools in kindergarten to second grade you can actually go on now and register for that for that uh, in school hours but out of school time of uh, religious education and instruction so if you need to know more about that um, i believe the the link is obviously there in the weekend update for you to sign up but you could also go ask at the Hub today, or you could ask Jaron herself about further details for that. So can you think of anything else we missed? Yeah, camp rolls. So we
1: have, yeah. uh, camp registration is still going, and part of the thing that we always hype up is, you know, making the invitation. Invite your, your family's kids, invite your neighbor's kids, invite any kid that you see. Um, but one of the things that we often hear are excuses, you know, oh, I, I work, I can't do the, I can't uh Drop them off, pick them up at those times or whatever. Uh, we had a really cool uh, really cool thing happen this week. Dave Papish offered that his even though he can 't be here throughout the the course of a day of camp he is like i'll 'll be the driver, so he's essentially going to be a a pace bus going around stop to stop. anybody that needs a ride in the morning or needs uh, to be picked up in the afternoon he's he's willing to offer that so there might be a creative way that you can get involved too. Maybe that you want to share that, that burden and, and you know, give rides to kids who need them. Or maybe there's another creative way that you can think of to, to serve camp. It doesn't have to be um, necessarily during the, the camp day. Maybe you're just spending time uh, even at work just praying for camp. Uh, whatever it is, let us know how, you can, how you'd like to get involved and, and how you can because, again, it's a really cool thing that Dave's, that Dave's doing to, to make sure that our kids get to hear the, the message of
0: Jesus. Good deal. You have a long day ahead, so we're praying for you, okay? There we go. you got a lot going. Let's pray together. God in heaven, I am grateful for everything that's going on with our students today. Every Everything from new kids who are going to get the chance to go to high school for the first time to to kids who have already been in high school for four years and are and are saying goodbye to that season of life and moving on to a new one thank you for the privilege that you give us of of entering into the lives of people and um helping them to to know what it means to look more like jesus pray that as we look at your word today and we and we look at some concepts that i don't know they they might be difficult for some of us i pray that we would have a tremendous openness to what your spirit says through the word in jesus name amen so we uh we're now several weeks into a study of the letter of first peter and today we're digging into the first seven verses actually the first six verses of first peter chapter three these verses the first seven cover what is commonly referred to as as household codes both peter and paul in portions of their letters spend times, t- spend time delineating the household codes. They want the churches to understand the way life is supposed to work in a Christian family. Despite what might be going on in the culture, it doesn't matter, what does, what does it look like to live in God's house? Uh, the words we're going to look at today, honestly, they're not easy for some people to hear in our times. More than ever, our world and the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, is waging a, a frontal assault on marriage and the roles of male and female. Satan has never, ever, ever, ever left the home alone. I mean, he, he literally got his fingers involved in the first home, and it's been there ever since. He realizes that the home is truly the cradle of civilization. The, the direction of the home determines the course of the nation. And it's true in our times, he has attacked And he has effectively infiltrated institution after institution. However, no front is more important in his battle than the family. If he can destroy the family, if he can undermine and redefine the family, if he can disintegrate the family, he can seriously compromise our understanding of God himself as well as our part in his program. So we'll spend this morning considering the concepts of submission and authority within the context of the male-female marriage partnership, and we're going to refer to this as the the love and respect dynamic or the love and respect covenant. This dynamic uh, gets written off by many modernist uh, Bible scholars in, in three particular ways. First, just like we talked about last week, they want to go to cultural grounds. They claim that Peter and Paul are are simply falling into or falling for the the dominant thinking of their time. Their culture elevated domination and it celebrated masculinity. And so they say it's inevitable that Peter and Paul would simply see things and say things in the mindset and spirit of the age in which they live. Sadly, these modernistic scholars ignore a basic truth. Peter and Paul are writing under the direction and authority of the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures are not a mere human invention. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not bound by time. He's not bound by culture and narrow-minded thinking. And to place the limits of culture on Peter and Paul is to minimize the reality of inspiration. Others write off these roles as uh, the result of the curse. Adam and Eve sin, and God places a curse on the serpent, on the man, and on the woman. And they look at these roles and say, see, this is because of the curse. They believe that that the wife was commanded to submit to her husband because of the sin in the garden. And the sin resulted in, in placing man in charge. If you'd look with me at Genesis chapter 3, I did it again, hold on a second here. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16, this is, what, this is what God is saying to the woman when he issues the curse. He says, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Some read this and say that God cursed the woman by putting the man in charge and I really think this is a misunderstanding and a misreading of the passage. It's much like the, next, the way the next part of the passage is misunderstood. When he's talking to the man, he says, since you, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. In other words, since you sinned, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. But you will eat of its grain, by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Some look at this set of verses and incorrectly conclude that work is the result of the curse. Work is the result of sin. And that is just not the case. Work is not the result of the curse. As we've said many times, work is not the result of the curse. Hating Mondays is the result of the curse. Problems and frustrations, weed, thorn, and thistle, hardship is the result of the curse. Work is not the result of the curse. Work is the result of being created in the image and likeness of God. Six days he worked, one day he rested. Our God is a God of constant work. The same is true about love and respect. Submission and authority are not the result of the curse. Abuse of authority and the craving for someone else's God-bestowed authority is the result of the curse. Prior to the fall, man and woman lived out the love and respect dynamic, conflict-free. But after the fall, the curse turned beauty into a competition. It turned covenant into coveting. Again, this love and respect dynamic was not the result of the curse. It was the result of being created in the image and likeness of God. Within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, there exists a love and respect dynamic. The Father again and again is referred to by Christ the Son as a source of sacrificial love. God so loved the world And the Son makes clear that He lives to do the will of the Father. Further, the Spirit exists to do the will of the Father and the Son. Father, Son, and Spirit have lived in and will always live in the love and respect dynamic. This dynamic is vital in order to exist in community. Humans exist in community. And marriage was specifically created by God to be a visible reflection a visible expression of this part of the relational nature of God. Some will say authority and submission are the result of the curse. And since the curse was lifted by Jesus, then this dynamic has now been canceled and erased. But they do not see, again as we've already said, that that this dynamic is not curse-based competition and coveting the desire of one heart one's heart for another person's role that's the result of the curse paul makes clear that male female roles in marriage are simply a matter of the creation order in 1st timothy chapter 3 as he's talking about males and females and how they work together he simply says this for god made adam first and afterward he made eve In fact, this may not mean as much to us. When we want to name a child, for example, we pull out the baby book or go online. In the ancient world, naming was actually a way of of expressing authority over something or someone. And in Genesis 2, we have Adam, who is the one who has the privilege of giving Eve her name. There is tremendous beauty in all of this, a beauty that Satan must desecrate and defile to get us to miss the point of marriage. That it is a picture of the perfect community between Father, Son, and Spirit and the perfect unity that exists between Christ and his bride, the church. You cannot miss, by the way, that time and time again in this passage, Peter emphasizes beauty. He speaks of physical beauty. He speaks of inner beauty. Love and respect when lived out is simply beautiful. And it gives a picture, a taste, of the beauty of the Trinity. One one more thought on the whole creation order. Some will be prone to cry foul here. Wait a second. The husband gets to be in charge and get his way because he was created first? That's not fair. That's not fair. Two things. First, this whole concept is not about one person being in charge and getting their way at all. If that's the way you understand love and respect, you're not understanding what God is saying at all. That's a distortion of love and respect. But also, it's time for us to grasp this once and for all. It's not about fair. Would you get over fair? We want to make everything about being fair. The obsession with fair is messing us up. Do we not get that the people that are stoking the spirit of fairness in our society are some of the most unfair people that exist and yet we keep going after this this fairness somehow as if it's going to get us somewhere. Our obsession with fair never leads to its desired goal. It just stokes the embers of jealousy, covetousness, and envy. None of this is about fair. It's about living out the love and respect dynamic to a lost and dying world so they can see a picture of the nature of the Trinity. There's some other unbiblical thoughts that need to be put to rest as well, things that you may have heard through the years. The woman was not commanded to submit because she sinned first. Some people say, well, she sinned first, and so that was, that's not the case Further, the woman was not commanded to submit because she fell for Satan's lie and Adam didn't. They both fell for a lie. The woman was not commanded to submit because she's weaker than the man. And the woman was not commanded to submit because some people say women are emotional and men are logical. The only reason given in the Bible presented to us is the creation order for God made Adam first and afterward he created Eve all those other reasons that have been spoken in sermons and spewed in Sunday school classes are just part of natural reasoning, but they're not part of the mindset of God. Now, if you don't mind, what I'd like to do of these, of these six verses, I want to go to the middle two verses first. Take a peek at those. And just like last week, I'm going to put it up there in, in three different versions so you can see it, but we're going, to, we're going to just focus on the middle one. We're going to focus on the NIV. You can do visual comparing along the way if you want. It says, and he's speaking to the woman, he says, Your your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, a simplistic interpretation of of this passage just all out condemns makeup, beautiful hair, Jewelry and nice clothes. It's wrong, don't do it. Peter is not espousing an Amish dress code. That's not what is going on here. He's he's stating an obvious fact that way too many humans overestimate externals and neglect internals. You know, the Bible speaks a lot, commends a lot, the virtues of of strength and courage. What if a guy were to, to work out religiously? I mean, boom, all the time. He is just, he's working out and he, and he becomes a muscle bound stud. Can we assume that his externals and internals match? Does the size of his bicep reflect the depth of his courage? Does the amount he can lift represent the strength of his character? Of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. Physical beauty is attractive, but it should never. Supplant the beauty of one's spirit. Outer attributes can be winsome, but they're never intended as a substitute for the beauty of one's soul. Many industries in our time sell kind of this little phrase fake it until you make it. Fake it. Look good on the outside. Eventually, you'll feel good on the inside. Uh, work on the outside. Hopefully, the rest will flow. God says, uh uh-uh, uh, spirit first. Spirit first. Work hard on the heart. Peter commends hard work on a gentle and quiet spirit. We see this principle throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, in Proverbs, we read, above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. He says, who you are flows from the inside. Jesus, a few times in the Gospels, says something like this. The good person, out of the treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the treasure of his heart, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It comes from inside. The Bible is not anti-beauty. The Bible is not anti-makeup. The Bible is not anti-jewelry. But the Bible does challenge hypocrisy. It challenges valuing externals while ignoring internals. And again, as I said before, a huge part of Peter's Spirit-inspired teaching is that the beauty flows from reflecting the nature and the character of God. When we deliberately clothe ourselves in the love-respect dynamic, the world sees God. I'm not simply showing off my muscles. Kim's not simply showing off her nice dress. I'm putting the beauty of God on display. Is it starting to make sense why Satan is on such a rampage in every area related to sex, gender, and marriage these days? It is an all-out attempt on his part to distort the image of God in us and the image of God that is seen through us. Ladies, keep looking nice. Guys, keep working out, okay? But never mistake the externals as a substitute for the internals. Be beautiful and strong inside out, all the way. So let's go to the start of the chapter. Again, I put the the three verses on the screen. So these are verses one and two. It says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So I want to point out something small here that's not small at all. All three translations make clear that this dynamic applies to one's own husband, okay? Not all men in general, not all Christian men. It's speaking about the marriage relationship and that alone. Other dynamics will be laid out in other parts of Scripture regarding church leadership and whatever. but, But here Peter is specifically speaking to a woman about her husband, not every man she knows. Last week we started with verse 7 and the command to the husband to honor one's wife. Paul talks about this same topic of, of, of submission and all. And when he does, he doesn't talk about honor. He talks about love. Sacrificially loving one's wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Peter emphasizes honor and respect. Paul emphasizes love and respect. This is is the whole of God's image on display. The Father loves and honors the Son and Spirit and the Spirit follow and respect. Spirit and Son follow and respect the Father. The command here is worded three different ways. You see it in the three different translations. One says, accept the authority of your husbands, another says, submit to yourself to your own husbands, another, "Be be subject to your own husbands. A simplistic reading of this says the guy always gets his way, and the woman always gets to make sure that the guy gets his way. And another simplistic reading of this is to say the guy's always the tiebreaker. He always gets to win. In both cases, we are turning love and respect into a self-centered power struggle. My leadership is always to be put forth in the context of deeply honoring my wife and sacrificially loving my wife. These two qualifiers would prohibit me this afternoon from from something like this. You want to go to Cracker Barrel, Kim? I want to go to Chili's. So get ready for an awesome blossom, lady. Here we go. No. No, that's ugly. That's an ugly abuse of what God is saying. Kim and I have lived out this this love-respect dynamic for almost 38 years. I love her deeply. I I would die for her without thinking twice. I wouldn't blink. I want what is best for her. I want what is best for her more than I want what is best for me. She has never had to say, I'll submit because I have to. And I have never said, we're doing this because I said so. We have a genuine, mutual love for each other and a deep love for God that controls the love-respect dynamic in our relationship. you got to understand, this isn't, just, this isn't just about the biggie decisions, and this is not about personal preferences. Much more like my role as a pastor, God's given me a unique charge, a unique responsibility in this spiritual community, and he's given me a unique charge in the spiritual community of my family. I will give an account to God for the way I lead this family toward God or away from it. And I'll give an account to God for the way I lead my family toward God or away from Him. We may talk together about, about options and ideas and possibilities, but ultimately, God holds me responsible for the way I lead my family. And as I lead my family toward God, God calls on Kim to trust my loving leadership. In July, we're going to have completed uh, 28 years here at at Southfield. In the spring of 95, uh, we were only 32 years old, young, yikes, and we were praying and seeking God's direction for the next step in our lives. There we were in St. Louis, and we're praying, and, and, and we found out about this church, and And I started to get a strong sense that God was calling us to this place. The call was not as strong or evident in Kim. It wasn't. She had some questions, and she voiced those questions. But I still, even after we talked, I still had this strong sense that God was bringing us here. And while I can say genuinely that we made the decision mutually, a large part of that mutual decision from Kim's perspective, was trusting that I was truly hearing from God. When this is working at its best, we see in play a combination of loving, sacrificial leadership and gracious trust and respect. Peter gives an example of how this plays out in the family. And he refers to a classic family from the Word of God, Abraham and Sarah. So you've got to look at verses uh, 5 and 6 for this. Again, the middle of the three. For this is the way the holy mo- women of the past... By the way, this is flowing out of what he was saying about, about makeup and out- outer beauty versus inward beauty. He says, for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are the... You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give in uh, to give, give in the, to the way of fear. Uh, it would be easy looking at this passage to get hung up on a few concepts and miss the greater point. The line about Sarah calling her husband master or lord—I mean, some of you are not going to hear another word I say all morning. That's just that is where you're going to stay stuck. I was curious i thought where where did that specifically happen in scripture and and it actually happened in genesis 18 when the three visitors come and and they and they make clear that a year from now sarah's going to have a baby and, and the Bible tells us that this is actually what she was thinking. She's thinking about this. And, and, she, and what I did here, I, I gave you the inner so that you have the English as well as the Hebrew words below it. And it says, Sarah laughed to herself and she thought. So we're not even getting her out loud words. The Bible's telling us what was going on in her head. After I'm worn out and old and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure, the pleasure of having a child, I wanted you to see the word there for the Lord. It's the word Adon, and that may sound familiar to you. Adon, Adonai, that word. It's a wide ranging word in Hebrew. It can mean everything from Lord, Master, Supervisor, one who has authority over a husband, an owner, all kinds of ways this word is used in Scripture. The use of the term here was a gracious way of acknowledging Abraham's God given leadership in their family. That's it. Uh, By the way, do note, again, that this is, this is what Sarah's thinking. We're, we're actually being let in on her thought life as, as she's being told she's going to have a baby. If we have the ability this morning to get beyond the term, the broader context is that in a winsome and beautiful way, Sarah was willing to follow the spiritual leadership of her husband. Now, I want you to think about the harsh reality of that following. In, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham hears from God at 75 years old. At 75 years old, he hears, get up and go to a land I'll show you. I'm going to bless you. Get up and go to a land I'll show you. I don't know the full dynamics of their relationship, but I'm kind of imagining Abraham entering the tent. Sarah, heard from God. We're going to move. Oh, where? Eh, not sure yet. Not really. Somewhere, somewhere. We're going to walk until God says stop. Oh, we are, huh? (laughs) uh huh? Yeah, okay. Well, um, dude, did you eat some bad lamb before bed? I mean, I mean, I mean, sincerely, listen, nutty old man. I'm staying here. My family is here. My, my home, my tent is here. You can go wander all you want, and I'll be waiting here when you come back home. She graciously follows Abraham's loving leadership. Now, I admit there are times that Abraham abuses his leadership, and rather than trying to get into all that this morning, we're going to leave that for the next time that we talk about 1 Peter. Peter raises Sarah in this example for two reasons. One, whether Jew or Christian, there's a sense in which she is the mother of our faith, just like Abraham is the father of our faith. Abraham's step of faith To get up and go until God said stop, ultimately led to the birth of a baby in Bethlehem, his death on a cross, his burial and his resurrection, and our opportunity to join the family of God. God used Abraham's step of faith and loving leadership, but he also used Sarah's willingness to graciously follow. He also points out Sarah because she exemplified a spirit of faithfully and graciously following. Sarah could have said, there is no way I'm leaving Heron. There is no way I'm having a child at 65, 75, 85, 90. There is no way I'm inviting those three strangers into this tent. There is no way you're taking my son on a three-day journey to see what God wants to teach you. In every one of these cases, she followed her husband's spiritual leadership. And she's not perfect either. And we'll explore some of her imperfections next time as well. We'll also work through in greater detail uh, some what-ifs. You see, as I talk about this today and kind of present the concept, if if your brain has been engaged, some of you are going, okay, that sounds great as an ideal. That sounds great as a concept. But what if? What if? What if my husband's not a believer? What, What if my husband makes this about petty things like like what we're going to have for dinner or who's going to cook dinner? What if my husband forces me to violate my conscience? What if my husband invites me to sin, to do something that is wrong? What if my my husband is a believer but has little spiritual interest? or What if my husband is just weak? He's a weak leader. I'm a way better leader than he is. There are so many scenarios in which a, a wife might ask does this command still apply and i don't want to give those just a glancing treatment we need more time with that so we'll spend significant time next week talking about that and we're also going to just work through some of the the practical implications of this love and respect dynamic what does it look like in real life god i thank you that you designed human beings in your image in your image and likeness And because we are in your image and likeness, people who do not know you yet can look at us and see something there. They can see God there. They can see the nature and character of God there. And so I pray that that we would have just a supreme desire to do everything we can to show you off. That's what it means to give you glory. We want to show you off. We want the world to see through you are, even through our marriage, even through our relationships together. We want to show you off. In Jesus' name, amen. The night the Lord was betrayed, he took bread. When he had broken it, he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take it, eat it, and remember me. He took the cup, the cup of wine, he said, this cup is the new covenant, my blood. Drink it. And every time you do, you proclaim the Lord's death until I come back. And so we're gonna take that weekly walk to communion today. Tables at the front, at the back, gluten-free on either side of the stage as well as a table in the back. And as we do, take the time to reflect on Jesus, who he is, what he's done for you, how he loves you, Let's think about jesus we lift up our collective hearts to you this morning god with uh, burdens and prayers that that are on our hearts we we thank you so much for uh, this upcoming season of teaching kids about you through through camp and i pray that you would bring a an incredible freshness to the message of, of jesus death burial and resurrection the impact that a relationship with jesus can have on a a child who's five six seven eight years old god it's easy for the kids who are here all the time to hear it and hear it and hear it and grow immune to the words and to the word and so we pray for an empowerment of your spirit an opening of eyes and spiritual ears to hear the truth of the relationship they can have with god we would pray the same for our high schoolers as they head off to green lake in two weeks that it would be a week of of fun and of memories, all the good stuff that comes with with days away together, but that there would also be an intense spiritual encounter, one where your spirit would do the supernatural work of waking up the heart and soul, of helping kids who, who have been going through the motions of religion to move to relationship, And those who are in that relationship to experience that that relationship with with freshness and newness of life i'm grateful for this opportunity you're providing our community through lifewise academy for kids to come here and learn about you during the school day pray that you would continue to to clear the path before us i pray that you would continue to remove any obstacle that might uh, inhibit a great start. We pray for the, the hearts of kids that will be coming here. That again, we just pray for that working of your spirit. We need your spirit to do the work. It, it, it's not by our might or power that anything gets done, but by your spirit. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, God, we submit ourselves to you. We want your son, your spirit, to do the great work of, of bringing children home to you, safely home to you. Thanks for using us in that. And God, there are many personal burdens and cares we could pray today, but I especially today, again, lift up to you, Ray James, man who has meant so much to this community, uh, to Shanahan Junior High, so much to this church. And as, and as this uh, cancer continues to ravage his body and he enters this, this stretch of his walk before he's home with you, I pray that he would experience a, a season of knowing that he is deeply loved by you and by the people he has served so well. I pray that you would give his family together many great moments of sharing and love in these days ahead. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. How incredibly moving. Well, as you're walking out today, just a couple reminders again. If you want to know more about helping to get the flags distributed at Abraham Lincoln Cemetery, uh, go see Dennis at the Info Hub and he'll talk you through that. And next Sunday, you will not be sitting here. We'll be out on the lawn. Don't forget to bring your lawn chair or a blanket and may even want to bring an umbrella for that brilliant sunshine that is guaranteed. We'll see you later. (laughs)